Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and please uh, show up for the uh, walk on Saturday. Uh, you know, we, we don't get involved with a lot of, of different things, uh, but that's important. Human trafficking, one of the biggest areas in, in Florida and South Florida, Central Florida is one of the biggest areas in the nation for human trafficking. Somebody has to step up and do something different. So please show up and be there with us on that day. It's going to be great. Well, if you have your Bibles, open it up. We're going to cover a lot of material today. So I think we need to pray because this is going to be an equally offensive day. Trust me, you will not sit through this sermon without the Holy Spirit convicting you and bringing some guilt into your life. I didn't say condemnation, but I said guilt. We're in the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus is saying, my people live different than the world. It's not just the words you say. It's not just the external acts that you go through, but it's a condition of your heart. So <clears throat> get ready today. Pray with me for the Holy Spirit to speak to you because I know without a shadow of doubt that he will. I've, um, I've had to pray over several of these things in my life in, in, as I'm studying this. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for all that you've been teaching us as we are your people, as we're looking at this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, last week, you talked to us about being salt and light. The week before, you talked to us about the attitudes of our heart. And today, Lord, you take the attitudes of the heart and being salt and light and saying, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to live in a world that's dying and decaying. So, Lord, I pray especially for Holy Spirit anointing. Let me speak what you want me to speak. Don't let me just say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, <clears throat> I know that we as hearers today will need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand, to grasp, and to deal with the areas in our life that we need to deal with. In your name, amen. So the title today, read it with me in your handout there, Living Upside Down, Inside Out. There's a little song that I heard years ago. I won't sing it for you, but I'll give you the words. Here it is. He's the king of the kingdom, upside down. If you want to go up, you have to go down. To be the greatest, learn to be the least, living in the kingdom, upside down. So we're starting off today in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 17. If you'll read that, it's not in your notes, but it'll be on the Sky Bible. Would you read it with me? This is Jesus' words. It's in the red. Read it. Ready, go. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? What? Fulfill. I hear people say, you know, the law is abolished. Jesus abolished it. It doesn't have anything to do with our life anymore. Hey, the Ten Commandments are still real. Uh, the things in the Old Testament are still real. But Jesus said, I came to fulfill every one of them. He's the only one who could ever fulfill them. So he said, in the way that you see my life lived and the words that I speak is a way that these are going to be fulfilled. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law or to abolish it, but I came to fulfill 
fulfill it. And he did that in very unconventional ways. And it was sort of like upside down, backwards, and inside out. People couldn't understand what he was doing. He was doing different than religion. So I've got one point today, and here it is. Live upside down, inside out life. Live an upside down, inside out life. So there you see the words for today or however you want to put that. You can write live upside down, inside out. But I want you to see that upside down and inside out. Jesus is saying outward conformity without an inward commitment is unthinkable for his people. You see, the Pharisees had all these laws and regulations, and they felt like if I just go through the motions, that's all that I need to do. We're going to see Jesus say this today. He's going to talk about the Ten Commandments, some of the Ten Commandments, and he's going to say this. You've heard it said, but I'm going to say to you. So the first area, we're going to cover a lot of scripture today, so uh, just hang with me. So the first area he's going to talk about is that we need to confess and confront sinful anger in your life. Would you say that with me? Read it. Confess and confront sinful anger in your life. So here's what Jesus says. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment, the sixth commandment, right? But Jesus says, yes, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, there's a phrase there in the New King James and King James that says without a clause, but that phrase was not in the original and it's not in most of the other translations you would read as in the NIV or ASV. It was, it was added in there later, but he says, any of those of you who is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, that means empty-headed, stupid idiot. Anybody who says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says you fool, that's the uh, Greek word moros from which we get the word moron. And he said, if you say you fool, you shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, look at this. This is the tough one here. If you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, there'll be no means to get out of there till you've paid the last penalty. Jesus said, murder begins in your heart. Jesus said, hey, I agree with this commandment but I disagree with your definition of murder. He said, let me go to the heart issue. If you are angry, bitter, holding a grudge, hate someone, wish they were dead, you have a heart attitude. And he said, you've already committed murder from your heart. Verse 23 says, if you remember that you, that you have something against someone, first go to them, then come. He, he's saying, don't just go to the altar and worship. So 
my wife tells me all the time, because I like to drive different ways, different places. She said, don't you know the shortest distance between two points is a But in God's kingdom, sometimes the way to God is not a straight line, but it's a horizontal line before it becomes a vertical line. The scary thing that Jesus is saying here. See, some of us have mastered the thing of Matthew 18. That if you have something, uh, if somebody, if you have something against someone, you go to them uh, alone, and then you go to them if they won't hear you to go with somebody else, and then if they won't do that, you bring them before the church and you kick them out. But Jesus says here, if you get ready to play on the worship team, if you get ready to do intercessory prayer, if you get ready to serve as an usher, if you get ready to drop your tithe and offering in, if you get ready to pray, And you remember, because the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance, that somebody has an offense against you. He says, don't ignore that. See, the Lord spoke to me this week and said, the reason that some people in the second service (laughs) are not having their prayers answered is because they've overlooked this simple principle right here of a heart issue. See, I didn't have to tell you who it is. Holy Spirit already brought it to your mind. And for months, weeks, or years, there's been a rift, and you're both believers. You don't know what it is. Why is it every time I get around that person, just like this, this? And the Lord says, listen, if you want to get out of prison, now they've already, if they don't come, if, if they don't deal with their offense, they're already in prison. But he said, unless you, knowing they have an offense, go to them and be reconciled, then you're putting yourself in prison. So he said, you will be reconciled, and then you go back and worship on the team. Then you go back and serve as an usher. Then you go back with your prayer time. Wow. Say, Lord, help me. And it was kind of gentle, so I know Holy Spirit spoke to a bunch of you right there. See, some of you never heard that before. Jesus says, yeah, you, it's, it's, it's the heart issue. It's the heart issue. Second of all, he says, I want you to purify the desires of your heart. Purify the desires of your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, how's your heart? So in this, in this passage, he's going to talk about personal purity, and he's going to talk about the sanctity of marriage. Another long passage. Verse 27. You've heard... That it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, right? The seventh commandment. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman, or it could be uh, whatever woman looks at a man to lust. They've already committed adultery in their heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it away from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of the members would perish than your whole body be cast into hell. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife or divorces her husband, it goes either way here, let him give him a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces 
his wife, for any reason except sexual immorality, porninea, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries the woman who is divorced commits adultery. Wow. Man, he goes deeper. First of all, he talks about personal purity. The Christian sex ethic is no sex outside of marriage. Do I, do I have to repeat that? I don't know where we've come into the world that we make up little Well, it's all right for me. <laughs> I was married once, and, and it's all right, you know, because God doesn't want me to go without, right? Here's the Christian sex ethic. Here's what he's saying. If a person says, let's have external, physical, naked experience, but don't expect me to give you my heart. Don't expect me to give up only to you. I will retain my independence and my options. He said, with that lust in your heart, you've already committed fornication. You've already committed and failed. Wow. See, if you keep ladies, girls, unmarried, if you keep, or divorced, if you keep opening your legs for everybody, just because they pay you some attention, you're gonna, you wonder why in the world do I find from bad relationship to bad relationship? Simply because this. And it could go either way, men or women. They want your body, they want the nakedness, but they don't want the intimacy of surrendering their heart to you. You know what I say to people like that? Find somebody else. I've come too far. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So then he talks about adultery, the sanctity of relationships. Adultery begins with lust. Uh, men are very visual. Women are also stimulated visually. So we can't just say that. He said, if you look upon somebody, man or woman, it could go either way here. So you've got to realize this. this is an equal opportunity here for feeling guilt. He says, if you look upon someone to lust after them, the, the Greek word is epithumio, which means an intense desire to covet, to lust after. And it's in the present participle, which says, it's a look that keeps looking. It's not a glance. It's not like you, you say, that was a very attractive lady right there. Oh, you just lust. No, I didn't lust. I, you know, God didn't blind me. I, I can see, you know, and I do that equally. I told Anita yesterday, I said, boy, that's a good looking guy. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say, hey, that was a good-looking woman. And I'll usually tell my wife, okay? So anyway, but it's not just that glance. When you look at a, a guy and it's got a nice, you know, he's worked out, and you say, whoo, that's a good-looking guy. That's not lust. But lust is when it's a glance that becomes a gaze, forgetting and having a relationship with someone who's not married to you. It's a constant stare. It's not an accident, but it's planned. And here's what Jesus says. Pluck out your eye. Cut off your hand. Now, just like you, you hear that and you say, well, he probably didn't really mean that. That's how, that's how his hearers were hearing it. And it, they were grossed out. How, how could you say that? But Jesus is saying, it's better for you to face life and get rid of that which is hindering you. You see, that could be things that you watch, places you go, magazines, behaviors, and it could be relationships. 
If you are a believer and you're dating an unbeliever, you're setting yourself up for a mistake. Uh, but he's not talking about physical. You know, you've seen people that do physical. They, like one of the early church fathers, Origen, had himself castrated because he didn't want to deal with lust. So in verse 31, Jesus is dealing with divorce, the sanctity of marriage. In, in the Old Testament, there's only one verse that, that, that talked about this giving a right of divorce, a certificate of divorce, and it was Deuteronomy 24 and 1. Deuteronomy 24 and 1, it simply said this, when a man finds a wife and marries her and she has no favor or uncleanness, he can give her a certificate of divorce. So women at this particular time in culture <clears throat> were objects to own. They had no rights. It was Jesus and the church that actually began talking about women's rights. In the religious system, they said, yeah, but you know, uh, it, we had the right of divorce in the Old Testament because of uncleanness. Now, what you got to understand that Rabbi Shimai, who's the first one, is a very conservative rabbi, and he said this word in Deuteronomy, uncleanness, is sexual immorality. That's all it is. So if your spouse, if your wife at that time, you know, it was basically women had no rights to give a divorce. It was men. And he said, if, you're, if your wife has sexual relationship with somebody else besides you, you can give her a writ of divorcement. You just simply say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you three times. And that was over. But then comes along Rabbi Hael. He says, no, it's more than that. If in preparing food, she puts too much spice in the food, that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> I'm serious, okay? If she goes into public with her head uncovered, divorce her. If she speaks to another man publicly, divorce her. If she's a brawling woman, divorce her. If she speaks ill of your parents, divorce her. <clears throat> Now, which of those two prophets <clears throat> or those two rabbis do you think was more popular? The last one, right? But then there was another rabbi, Akiba, who he said this. Uncleanness means if you as a man see an attractive woman more attractive than your wife, then your wife is unclean. So divorce her. Do you see the problem? It was just, but is that any different than in the body of Christ today? I'm not talking about unbelievers, but I'm talking about believers for any reason, divorce. I'll just get a divorce. I'm not going to counseling, just give me a divorce, give me a divorce, give me a divorce. And the Lord says, he's saying, if you as my followers live like that, you're perpetuating divorce, which God hates divorce. Now, in this passage, Jesus says, or Matthew puts in here, except for adultery, fornication, or it can be an unnatural vice. But this passage is not, it's not, Jesus is not dealing with, I want to give you a reason that you can divorce. He's just saying, I want you to know the sanctity of marriage and how much that God 
hates divorce, but he loves marriage. So I don't want you to go away today if that's happened in your life and you feel guilty about that because it's not all covered here. Paul covers a lot of other stuff later. But what I'm simply saying is here, we have accepted for too long just easy divorce and then remarriage to somebody else because they look better. You know, you, you, uh, you, 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 you had your wife had five kids and things that used to be perked up are now flopped down. And you see somebody that's more perky and you say, well, she treats me better than somebody else. Jesus says, stop it. It's an attitude of the heart and it's sin and it's perpetuating something that's not right. I opened up a can of worms there, didn't I? Pastor Tim, you'll be counseling. And then he says this, practice truth, practice truth. He says in verse 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, let your conversation be honest. Let your character be pure. You don't need to swear by an oath. Look, the more words that somebody uses to try to convince me that they're right lets me know that they're probably not telling me the truth, right? He says, look, everybody goes, I, I swear on my grandmother's grave. I swear on the Bible. I swear on something else. What's wrong with just, my word is this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's saying, you've been tiptoeing around long enough to try to make excuses for different things in your life. He said, be people that are trustworthy honest. Somebody says, you know, I, 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 do you have any Christian uh, plumbers in this church? Do you have any Christian mechanics in this church? Do you have any, do you have any Christian, um, <laughs> start to say psychics, I hope not, in this church. <laughs> and uh, no, I said, you see, when my car goes bad, my first priority is not to find a Christian. My first priority is to find someone who's a good mechanic. See, sometimes we get miscued because we think, well, I need to find somebody that's a Christian. Listen, I know a lot of Christians who talk a lot of baloney because they live externally, but it's not from their heart. Why has it become so easy for us to tell white lies? I don't know where that term comes from, white lies. That's a strange thing. And then he goes on and he says, choose to respond, not retaliate. I, I think we need to say that one out loud. Choose to respond, not to retaliate. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, how you're treated is how you treat somebody else. Get even. They punch you in the eye, you punch them in the eye. If they steal your horse, you steal their horse. Retaliate. Jesus says, in my kingdom, don't seek revenge. Resist evil. And, and Jesus says these weird things like, if they ask you to go a mile, go two miles. That's revolutionary. 
If they slap you in the face, don't retaliate. Don't seek for vengeance. Now, this is not a case here for, you know, just letting somebody just beat the snot out of you, okay? It's really more about imagery here uh, or the metaphor. You ever had somebody say, man, that was a slap in the face. Wow, that was a slap in the face. And then what happens? I want to get them. So we pick up the phone. Did you know what they did to me? You know what they did to me? And so we start with this whole offense. We say, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did this. And it's a call and a call and a call and a call. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to make them pay for what they did. Now the Lord says, no, don't do that. What he's saying to us is that remember that God settles accounts. God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Leave it to God. Bishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa during the apartheid was walking on a narrow sidewalk when a white man approached and he yelled to Bishop Tutu, get off the sidewalk. I don't make room for gorillas. The bishop quickly moved aside and replied, but I do. And then Jesus says, I want you to love by choice, not circumstance. Love by choice, not circumstance. Boy, this is a tough one right here. Michael, you come and cover this one. Or Tim, you come and cover it. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Matthew 5, 43 through 44. You've heard it said, love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Maybe we should just have an altar call right now. And I'll be the first one there. He's saying, I want you to love without limits. I don't want you to just love your friends. You know, there are some people that always rub you the wrong way, don't they? Even as a believer. Not everybody's the same. And not everybody's going to have the same realm of friends. I don't know where we get that. We say some, well, they're just, that's just a clicky group of people. No, there's just certain people that are friends around a common thing. Right? So if you look at that and say, yeah, and, and you know, you're, you're judging the wrong way. But what I am saying is this, that in the church, in the body of Christ, Even if somebody wears their clothes in a way that you wouldn't approve. Ah, he needs to pull up his britches. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I'm just saying if that's a believer and then you ostracize or you talk about or criticize. Jesus says, no, that's not how you do it in my kingdom. And that person who's always talking, 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 and you say, man, I don't want to talk to them because if I know I talk to them, they're going to keep talking, they're going to keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And you just avoid them. You just avoid them. You don't want to be around them. 
It's easy to love people who love the same things that you love. It's easy to love people that are the same color as you. It's easy to love people that maybe are the same age as you. But Jesus says in the body of Christ, he says, I want you to pray for those who despitefully use you. He's saying Christian love is an act of the will, not an emotion. Wow, boy, that's good. You should write that down. Christian love is an act of the will, not an emotion. And he's talking here about the agape kind of love, the, the, the God kind of love. Think about this. Paul said in Romans 5 and 10, Jesus loved us while we were yet enemies of him. And he loved us. So what is it for you? Man, when I studied this, I looked at that and I thought, Jesus, I can't live this high standard. How, how, can, how do you expect me to live like this? And then the Lord said, go back to the Beatitudes. Remember what I said in the Beatitudes? The Beatitudes build on each other. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, when they hear this teaching today, there are areas where they say, I got to admit, I failed and I'm failing in this area. I admit that. I, I admit that I'm, that I'm poor in that area. I admit that I'm failing. Then the next one is, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who literally repent of that area in their life. And then bless those that are meek, that they surrender their will to God. So I feel like today that I need to pray for us, first of all. How many of you believers, by being very open and transparent, would say, yeah, there's at least one or so of these areas that I really need to work on? And here's what the Lord said. Of course you can't live this. But in your weakness, I'm made strong. When you turn this over to me and ask me for help, you, can, you see, it's relying on the Holy Spirit and relying on the truth of the Beatitudes being in my life that lives out. So those of you who raised your hand, I want to pray for you right now. Would you just bow your heads? Lord, you put that in there, so you expect us to live by that standard. So I pray for all of us today that struggle with different areas here, those that are watching online. I know, Lord, I know what are mine. You jump those out on the paper to me, and Lord, I, I repent, and I deal with those, and I'm asking you for help. I want to do better in those areas. I don't want to just excuse it away. So, Lord, I pray for your grace to cover us right now. No condemnation, but, Lord, in the areas where we feel guilt or feel a nudge of the Spirit, 
We confess that. Would you do that right where you're sitting? You can do it out loud. You can do it in your mind. Just confess to the Lord. This is an area that I'm struggling with, Lord. This is an area that I need you. This is an area that I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need your help. I'm going to rely on you. Would you continue to pray and let the Lord speak to you? Maybe you're here today, and if I asked you if you were to take your last breath, that would you go to heaven? See, because the reality is, is that we can try our very best to do all of those things of what pastor taught us today. But the truth of the matter is, is that our works and what we can do will never get us to heaven. The only thing that will get, up, get us to heaven is that we believe and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. See, at some point, each and every one of us are going to take our last breath and we will step into eternity. And there are only two places that we can step into and one is heaven and one is hell. And I want you to know that your God did not create hell for you we have the choice whether or not we want to go there. So today, if you would say that I don't know Christ, I've never, I've never accepted him. I've never actually said those words out loud that um, I, I haven't recognized that Jesus is, is Lord, that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and he rose again. And I believe in him with my whole heart. I want to lead you in a prayer today. Because I want to make sure that every single one of us in this room and watching online have an opportunity for their eternities to be changed today. But we have a choice. It's up to us to have a choice of what we choose to believe in. So if that's you today and you would say that I've never accepted Christ, would you just boldly raise your hand all over this place? I, I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front and give us a testimony of your life. I just want to pray with you. And for those of you that are watching online, if that's you today, just put a, a, a raised hand in, in the chat or say, that's me. I want to accept Christ today. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else in this place? We don't want to leave this place. We don't want to leave this moment. Well, if everyone could pray this prayer out loud, repeating after me all over the place, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and I believe that you rose again on the third day to give me new life. So the best that I know how from this point forward, I will serve you with all of my life. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, for saving me, and for never giving up on me. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of the people in this building said, Amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. 
Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.